Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Grid podcast. My name is Sairaj and my co-host is Lalit Dash. Today's episode is going to cover a very peculiar and an interesting topic. Today's topic is India in international human rights. <clears throat> and today we don't have a particular guest as such, but uh, rather more of an announcement that we have to make. I will be discontinuing as the host from the next episode of this podcast which is why the new co-host will be introduced today and he'll be the third individual joining us in this podcast please welcome mr utkarsh paul hi utkarsh we are extremely glad to have you and extremely glad to make you the new co-host of this podcast welcome to the podcast hi sairaj lalit thanks a lot i'm extremely <laughs> excited to be here and talk about things that actually matter thank you so much utkarsh Now, speaking of uh, international human rights and uh, our understanding of human rights, today's conversation is going to be more of regulated in the lines of uh, how far has India come in terms of its human rights uh, objectives and like meeting its targets when it comes to implementing and enforcing human rights, some which are called customary international human rights, and also seeing as to how far can we go from here. So today this I'll start off this discussion by posing an extremely simple question in front of you. Since 1947 since this new nation the Republic of India was born how far do you think has India come in terms of implementing and providing equality providing each uh, every single type or notion of international human rights to its citizens in each and every corner of its country whether it is Kashmir or whether it is Tamil Nadu or whether it is in Nagaland and Mizoram how far has do you think has india come in terms of its approach towards human rights you can talk about the good and that is basically supporting unity and diversity and also talk about the bad its shortcomings so you can take away the floor guys i guess like since utkarsh is our new host why don't why don't you start utkarsh well we'll we'll just we just want to know your perspective all right so in terms of how far we've come i think that we've as a country achieved about 60 to 70% of the amount of rights that we need to cover and it's more or less the nitty gritties the details that we've missed out and it's because of these minor details that certain communities still suffer to this date communities castes individuals etc mm-hmm. but when it comes to the country as a whole and the rights the international rights that they provide to every individual of this nation mm-hmm. i do believe that india has done an extremely good job till date there is a lot left to work out of course but that's something that only time and experience can help the country grow with i see sir what do you think about it yeah in terms of international human rights uh, i think shortcomings obviously i will uh, speak about first uh, in terms of the bad news that india has had in terms of human rights is that we have at multiple times in different decades we have survived seven decades as a republic and as a nation but in those seven decades you see that every single decade has had Uh, its number of human rights violations whether it is by uh, the establishment or whether it is by uh, law enforcing for uh, law enforcing factors or law enforcing entities like the police or like any other sort of uh, forces that we apply that we implement on the ground to make sure that they maintain peace and order have usually more often than not taken the law into their own hands there are multiple occasions of this and multiple instances of this but i think the greatest example of this and of the stifling of uh, very basic fundamental human rights like freedom of speech and etc etc would be the event of the emergency the dark two years of uh, indian indep- uh, since indian independence 
and uh, that is just one instance when we talk about human right violations there have been multiple other uh, instances where not the establishment and not the police forces but uh, bodies like for example like uh, organizations that take the law into their own hands certain organizations that are motivated by uh, reasons and by purposes that are greater than humans itself that that for go ahead and try to divide people more than try to unite people these people have made sure that other people don't have the human rights so i think that is something that is negatively seen in indian democracy last thing in terms of uh, positive news that we have for human rights for the fact that india as diverse as it, as it is you know we are more diverse as in uh, as an entity more diverse in terms of languages and everything else that we do than europe and for us to have survived and not to have balkanized in itself means that we have make sure made sure that everybody has the human rights we have had here and there disturbances yes but none of them have been huge enough for us to dismantle as a country or dismantle as a republic and become smaller countries in itself because of the language we speak or the color the of our skin or because of the costume that we wear so i think in that terms we have implemented a lot so lalit what do you think about this ha you guys covered most of the points so like i don't want to repeat those but then i have a question since you mentioned about europe right like you would have heard a lot of people in among our peer group also comparing uh, let's say the indian laws to the american laws or the european laws do you think it's logical to do that considering they are so diverse in nature and like okay fine even europe is diverse but not as diverse as india right at the same time you can't expect the laws which are implemented over there to be implemented in india what do you guys think about it like do you think it's logical to speak about that and create a facade around it yeah so uh, i'll just go first of this and then ush can come in yeah obviously when our uh, when our founding fathers were thinking and pondering over the uh, the question of constitution and then of relate uh, you know re- related uh, legal documents they did take inspiration from international laws but they never really uh, uh, made sure that we replicate entirely uh, for example ireland's constitution we took something from there we took something from united states uh, constitution but we never really replicated every single thing because we'll obviously differ in terms of opinion and in terms of uh, how we are as a nation how we are as a people mm-hmm. so yeah it doesn't make sense to apply every single thing that internationally is there but when uh, i'm speaking in terms of international human rights the united nations and like such other uh, statutes and such other agreements that countries themselves come together and form to recognize certain human rights i think that has to be assimilated into a legal uh, structure of a particular country to make sure that every single person in a country has the same amount of human rights standards that international level has international community has making sure that everybody in the world has the same amount of this thing and especially india has to do it because we have always been proud of ourselves for being uh, for upholding the values and rights of vasudev kutumbakam so we believe in vasudev kutumbakam i think you should also have certain laws that apply to everybody else that apply in india mhm utkash yep i think sairaj covered most of what i wanted to say as well so now i've just a general question for the both of you so uh, i was reading up a little about what india stands at the un with regards to human rights So recently on Tuesday Turkey and Pakistan called out India for the situation at Jammu and Kashmir mm. and India did not exactly come up with the defense but instead we said that we don't deserve to be lectured by a country that elects a prime minister that proudly boasts about having trained terrorists or 
a country that hosts terrorist organizations at its center. Mm-hmm. So with regards to not having a defense ourselves, what do you guys have to say? Now, I guess even uh, the Indian uh, members, I'm not sure who represented India. I guess uh, the chief strategist or somebody, he walked out of the uh, room because Pakistan presented a doctored map also, if I'm not wrong. like I guess this came out yesterday or day before yesterday, Saraj, if, am I right? Uh, because I remember... Uh, yeah, this week. yeah, so they did walk out. And I, I can't say in terms of defense, why, did, why, do they, why they don't have a stance, but I completely feel that what India pointed out, like or what in, rather what India commented uh, for the Pakistan's Prime Minister was a little sassy. I would just say that it was a little sassy in the international state. So, heard personally like the lot of statement you know Indian delegates have given in the Security Council or uh, in the United Nations General Assembly and the same thing they keep bringing up is that Pakistan ha- should be the last country in the world that raises a finger against Indian human rights record yeah. I mean yes I know and I acknowledge that there have been certain wrongdoings by every single government that has been in power uh, that in Jammu and Kashmir to make sure that the Indian mentality in Jammu and Kashmir is like still pre- uh, prevailing but Pakistan has no right basically to say that we have done something wrong in Jammu and Kashmir because of the fact that they have a very bad track record in ensuring not only that Utkarsh said regarding terrorists and all of that, that they provide a safe haven for terrorists, but they also mistreat Ahmadiyas, they mistreat Shias. Forget about mistreating anybody outside of the Islamic religion. You mistreat somebody within the same religion, people who worship the same God and people who read the same book, that is the Quran. If you are discriminating against Shias and Ahmadiyas, then you have absolutely no right to say that India is harsh on certain individuals or certain religious individuals or certain sectors of its own population. So that was the basic underline of that argument. And that's why Mr. Hari Sarve, who was representing India in the International Court of Justice, just walked out of the room saying that this is pointless to even sit here and talk to you all. Anyway, uh, we'll move forward. We'll, the next question, uh, I'll let Utkar start off with this. Next question is regarding, uh, now we've spoken about how far we've come. And we also have spoken about through certain shades that of, uh, right now, how and like where we are. What changes do you all propose and how far do you think we can go in terms of implementing uh, rights, human international human rights to the fullest? Because we have, we have a pretty good track record, more or less, but we haven't entirely... Uh, implemented it to the ex, uh, to the extent that Scandinavian countries has uh, have or uh, certain Western countries have. So, how far do you think uh, India has to go? And do you think India even can reach a level of uh, ticking the box for every single international human right being implemented in within the borders of India? Well, with regards to uh, whether India can actually tick all the boxes, I think it's possible. But then it, of course, depends on the amount of time that we take into consideration, right? Now, considering the vastness of our nation and how difficult it is, as you said, to implement these things, I do think it's going to take an extremely long amount of time. However, I find that the issue is not with implementing the laws. It's when it comes to regulating. Because when you find bodies, say like the police, the police bodies uh, misusing their power or, you know, human rights being violated by these police officers, it's not that there aren't any laws in place. It's that there's nothing to regulate those laws because the people who are the police who are meant to regulate these laws are the ones who are misusing the power that they are given. So the only way that I see forward for growth in this perspective is if we bring a third party regulatory body that is not that, I mean, sorry, uh, bringing in a third party regulatory body that is foreign to us, because it's only then that you have a neutral perspective and where it's easiest to sort of root out corruption. Yeah, Lalit. 
uh, I would say picking off all the boxes is not practically possible because again, the um, let's say the ethnicity or even the diversity comes into place. Like at the same time, even if you want to support them, but then there might be some indigenous group which might be, um, you know, like at the bad side of that particular law, right? So I don't think it is possible to tick off all the boxes according to from from the international perspective but at the same time yes this third party regu- regulatory body does sound good but let's see how what happens because i really can't comment about it or how the government performs because again that's uh, very subjective and it's very personal to people and you know how indian mentality is right um, you might be a left wing or a right wing but you really get offended when these kind of things pop out yeah just to pass off a comment i think a rather constructive comment on what uh, utkarsh has said the intention of uh, bringing in an international unbiased regulatory body uh, has a lot of merits to it but i would uh, to a certain degree uh, you know disagree because of the fact that uh, international organizations have more often than not done more bad than actually done good and why i'm saying this is because they have done the same thing when it comes to the united nation human rights watch being allowed in myanmar and uh, the the prosecution of rohingya muslims that is happening there is absolutely nothing that the human rights watch did apart from collecting statistics and that is not what a human rights uh, organization must do in on contrary to which to support what actually utkarsh said and stated and like suggested would be to strengthen the current bodies that we have in india now the inter, uh, the indian human rights commission itself is actually quite powerful and actually quite good but corruption and uh, misfunding or like underfunding has made it so bad for us that we are not able to like do anything just one final example before we end this all off altogether is that when uh, the hyderabad rape case happened last year in december and there was public outrage and then suddenly out of nowhere the police killed the four people who were accused of uh, raping uh, uh, mrs miss reddy now after that happened and after there was public outrage again from uh, certain aspects of the media as to how can one go and encounter these four individuals i don't understand that that is when the human rights commission indian human rights commission came out of the picture so they weren't there till now and suddenly out of nowhere they raised their voice when a particular thing is happened so there is the human rights commission is very reactionary in its way it's not it's trial and error basis the way they work in and they never actually do something uh, in terms of uh, actually do before something happens so they always react to something but they never have steps taken to avoid something happening so that's one thing that the uh, indian government and other bodies that implement and administer human rights can actually keep in mind because you can it will be very real, very late when something really huge happens and only after that can we react to it because prevention at the end of the day is always better than cure uh, in, in in terms of human rights or in terms of global health also so th- with that we'll uh, be ending today's podcast it was an absolute pleasure to have spoken in this podcast as a host and it is an actual pleasure to have spoken to in today's episode also uh, i am extremely grateful for every single person who gave me the opportunity to be speaking as a co-host in this podcast and i will uh, treasure every single moment i have spoken uh, for this college and spoken for this particular podcast uh, thank you very much and uh, we'll see you next time a different podcast a different ep- a different episode of the same podcast and a different host altogether thank you very much you're welcome sairaj uh, we won't miss you so you need to chill over there <laughs> um with this as sairaj said we, we came to an end guys um the next podcast will be out uh, next week tuesday as i mentioned last time 
the sustainable grid comes out with two podcasts every week which is the tuesday and the friday and you can expect more human rights content specifically to the webinar also and by uh, by the next friday we will announce the next webinar's topic also see you all take care stay safe thank you so much guys bye bye thank you guys see you Thank you.